0: Welcome to another episode of Mining Now. Today we are featuring Nalco Water, an Ecolab company, and here to talk about their expertise and innovation in helping their customers manage their water is Steve Paulson. He is the Director of Technical Consulting of the Mining Division. And he breaks down the programs that Nalco Water provides for their mining industry. Before we can continue, let's thank our sponsors. First up, we have CIM. CIM is the leading membership organization for technical content and creating connections in the mining industry. Mining professionals and students can access a breadth of technical expertise through the CIM Technical Paper Library, the OneMind Digital Repository, the CIM Journal, the CIM Magazine, and also attend upcoming CIM webinars. Whether you're working in the field, in the office, or at home, join the community today and learn how they can help you achieve your professional goals. Find out more at CIM.org. Next up, we have Savonar Equipment. Savonar Equipment supplies new and used mining equipment around the world, from placer to underground to ore processing plants. They have gold concentrating tables, trommels, and mineral jigs in stock now to take advantage of the high gold prices. You can visit them at SavonarEquipment.com, where you will find more equipment every day. And last but not least, we have PowerZone equipment. When you need a specialized team of world-class engineers for your oil and gas pipelines, dewatering, or any fluid handling needs, you want to visit PowerZone.com. In addition to their inventory of rebuilt pumps, motors, engines, they also have an amazing team to design and engineer your systems, no matter the challenge, no matter the location. Get in the zone with PowerZone. Visit them at PowerZone.com. Well, let's get on with this episode of Mining Now.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mining Now, a joint production of Crownsman and CIM. Today on the show, very excited to have Nelco Water. And my guest is Steve Paulson. Steve is the Director, uh, Technical Consulting in the Mining Division for Nelco. Steve, welcome to the show. Very happy to have you on. Thank
2: you very much, Jared. It's a pleasure to be here. Look forward to our discussion today.
1: Yeah, it's I I um, you've you've got a you've been in the industry a long time. So I, I first want I mean you've been it's been about 30, 30 years you've
2: been uh, about I'll be coming up on thirty five years uh, this uh, or thirty six years actually in the, in the spring. So I
1: spent my whole career in, in the mining industry, and uh, it's been quite
2: interesting, I must say.
1: Um, I want to, I mean, of course we're going to talk a lot about, um, we're going to talk a lot about Nelco water and some of the projects, um, being a global company. I mean, we're going to cover from Australia to Saudi Arabia. So there's a ton, um, that we're going to cover in the show, but I kind of wanted to go, I want, I want to just kind of start backwards from how I usually start the show because you, you bring this experience. I want to, is there sort of that first project that you were involved with that stands out for you, that sort, of that, that sort of start of your career? Yeah, sure, Jared. The,
2: the one that I think kind of stands out is early in my career, I actually, before joining Nalco Water, I worked for 11 years at a mining R&D center. And we had a large field project uh, in Arizona at a copper deposit there, where it was a completely new type of mining technology called in-situ mining. Um, and we went through all the laboratory studies and then scaled that up to the field and ran a very large field test uh at that particular site Um, and it was quite interesting in in taking the um, concepts and the information that we had learned in the lab and applying it to a field situation and and working through the challenges there were permitting issues because it involved injection of a chemical solution into the ore deposit and then um, solubilizing the copper and pumping that to the surface so there are many different aspects of the project and it was really really interesting um, and and you got a really a view of how complex you know mining and mineral processing can be. So that was kind of my first big project, and it still sticks with me. I learned a lot um, that I've carried forward with me
1: throughout my career. How About when you get into a company like Nelco, when you when you started, was Nelco as large of a company as it is now? No, actually not.
2: Um, you know, I, I started with Nelco in 1996, and uh, we were a standalone company traded on the New York Stock Exchange, and and now we're a, uh, a subsidiary or a division of Ecolab which is a much larger company uh, with with Nalco as part of it and so um you know there've been a lot of just rapid changes throughout my my time with with Nalco and and now with Ecolab in in seeing you know the 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 evolution of digital technologies and how they're being integrated into mining mineral processing operations and integrated into our business so it's been quite, uh, quite an interesting um, career, uh, a lot of really um, unique projects that I've worked on. Um, and, and really, it's been quite interesting to see how technology has really been used to solve problems, to improve operational efficiency and so forth. So it's been really enjoyable to be a part of that technology development and the application of that technology you know, to help solve customer challenges
1: when you uh i think i'll ask the same question uh just for my own curiosity when you when you transition to a company like nelco is there is there a project for you that stands out um that you kind of go <laughs> we're kind of in this now like some of that large scale projects that uh sort of you cut your teeth with the company in
2: yeah yeah you know we 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 made an entry into uh, one area of mineral processing uh, called froth flotation um, and we really had a kind of a minor presence and we really decided that was a good growth opportunity for us. So we partnered with a startup company that was based in Arizona um, and we worked with them on some new technology. They had some patented technology and we ultimately acquired that company and then brought that technology to the marketplace. So it really was a, a, an opportunity again to, you know, be a part of something kind of from, from the ground up, right? And 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 we... Um, have have really kept our focus on that over the years, and it continues to be you know a large uh, part of our of our growth plans going forward so that's a that's a project that i really um, have uh, um, drawn from a lot on my career over the years because there they were like like the previous project that I mentioned there were a lot of different aspects to this as well as taking some you know some some technology that had not been used before and and taking it through scale up and commercialization so really interesting project uh, that's that's also stuck with me
1: i wanted to i, I you know you i've a lot of Nelco is one of these companies that people uh, within the industry they know what nelco does um on, on a, at very least on a high level and and i and myself similar that i i knew what they did but it's there's there's such a there's that Chemical and chemistry component of the company. So, I, and I want to go into some of the, you know, tailings management, foam control, the, you know, the, the, you know, the services that you're providing. But I want to sort of take that, that inner look at the company. What, what are they providing? What is Nelco's sort of? What are they offering to the industry on a holistic level? Yeah. So, really, what we are doing is we are trying to help our customers.
2: Solve problems, overcome challenges, and, and really just improve their overall efficiency and productivity of their operations. And so how we do that is is with a combination of things. We, we typically have a chemical component, so we're using some type of, of specialty chemistry, and we're combining that with the knowledge and experience of our on-site sales engineers to understand completely what the customer' situation is, what their constraints are, what their objectives are. And then we're supporting our on-site sales engineers with our technical support team that I lead, um, which are highly experienced uh, uh, folks that have been in the in the industry for a long time and and then we're also augmenting that with um, with uh, monitoring and control technology and automation and things such as that. and as I said before, we're now starting to integrate digital components into that offering so it's really it's not we're not just supplying a chemical we're really supplying the knowledge of what's the right chemical where do we apply it how do we get the best utilization of that chemical with the overall goal to develop a better end result for our customers whether whether it's a copper producer or an alumina producer or a gold producer you know we we've got a very extensive range of programs and experience that we bring to try to deliver you know an optimum
1: result is is most of this type of stuff steve is it um like i know in the agriculture sector i mean there's a lot of patenting when you're when you're dealing with any anything sort of chemical or combining different chemistries and things like that i'm I'm not i can't even speak the language properly so forgive me um but um the is a lot of this type of thing is is it patented and over the years as it develops a company like Nelco will continue to patent these, these chemical compounds and things like that. Yes, absolutely.
2: You know, we, we have a, uh, we have a dedicated R and D team in the mining division. And then we have a a broad R and D team across the, the entire corporation. And we draw, we draw on some of our anchor teams like our polymer anchor team or, or other, you know, water anchor teams to help us come up with better solutions. But, yeah a part a big part of our of our success over the years and our future growth plans is to continue to develop new technology better technology um, that helps our customers in their processing of ore or in the, or in the mine itself but really it, it's a key part of of what we do and and that's been you know how we've continued to grow and evolve as a company is using that innovation and new technology as kind of our our benchmark and and then augmenting that with uh the expertise that we have of our people that are on the site and developing a really thorough understanding of what exactly it is that our customers are trying to achieve what's getting in the way of those objectives and then how can we help using
1: technology and using innovation to help get them where they want to go I want to transition because now that you've set that up, which it was was very helpful for me. I mean, of course, we do some prep before this interview, so I start to gain an understanding of the company. So, and I really want to sort of lay that groundwork before we move into where you actually specialize in the mining industry. And it's it's quite a list, so you know, it's okay if we miss a couple. But can you sort of? I want to do it in. I want to list off um, a few of the uh, of the streams that you're in. And then I kind of want to talk about, and then I want to drill down into the different types of mines that you're operating in. So first off, can we go over Steve these, just sort of the streams uh, that you're offering within the mining sector?
2: Yeah. So we, you know, most of our we, we we have a lot of our business in the mineral processing plants. We have some applications that are actually in the mine itself, but a lot of the uh, work that we do is in the mineral processing plants. So if we start at the mine. You know a lot of the issues related with mining and transport and handling of the ore or finished products for that matter have to do with um you know materials handling issues it might be dust you know it might be haul road dust in the mine or it could be dust in a crusher um it might be on the other end of the spectrum that you know wet ore um, is is difficult to handle and create you know plugging of chutes and feeders and clogging and that type of thing. Um, and so on the mining side, we we have a number of different programs, like dust control programs or wet ore handling aids. In some cases, in the winter months, freezing is a problem. And wet ore will freeze, and so it's difficult to unload. So we have programs to make that ore, um, the handling of that ore, uh, or coal in some cases, make it more, um, uh, practical in the cold winter months. So on the mining side, we have we have programs more focused on materials handling. Then when you come into the processing plants, you know, there's a lot of different types of processes used to convert an ore into a intermediate product like copper concentrate, which then would go to a smelter and a refinery to convert it to finished, you know, high grade copper. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, different programs that are used to help in the processing of the ore so we have you know flotation collectors and frothers we have um, filtration aids to help with dewatering of of concentrates for example we have um, um, products for thickening and clarification mineral processing is very water intensive and so a lot of that water is recovered and reused in the process and that's becoming increasingly important so we have programs to help with the separation of solids from the water and the recovery of that water and reuse back into the process. Um, A lot of these processes are conducted at uh, very high or very low pH conditions. And so at a high pH range, you can get a lot of mineral scales that are forming. So we have programs to help with reducing or eliminating scale formation in the processing plant. In some cases, you have very low pH conditions, which create um, other types of of issues, so we have different types of additives to help in those types of programs, like like corrosion inhibitors, for example. So there's a lot of um, programs used in the processing of the ore, and then there's some specialty things. So in in bauxite processing, um, they they re-precipitate the alumina trihydrate, and so we, we provide crystal growth modifiers and hydrate classification aids. Um, in some cases, foaming, excessive foaming, is an issue. So we have a, a number of different anti-foams and defoamers. So really, you know, at every step of the process, there are typically some challenges in 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 the processing. And so we have developed over you know the many years that we've been focused in in mining mineral processing, we've developed a very wide range of programs to help alleviate those you know bottlenecks or those pain points
1: within the customer's operation. You you mentioned the word programs a couple times. So when Nelco water is, I mean, obviously there's a huge documentation, um, component of everything that you're doing. Um, is it, when you say a program, of course you're, I mean, you're, you're dealing a lot with, with chemicals and data analysis and things like that. So it's nothing of course is physically plug and play, but, when you go into a mining operation and then there's the flow cells and the slurry and the going through the chutes and dust and you know, so all these different layers, is it, how do you even get to the point of knowing which program to plug in? And I know that's a big question, Steve, so, you know, but. Yeah. I just, no, no I think start it's at question. that scale.
2: Yeah. Great question, Jared. And when I, when I say program, what I mean by that is, you know, as I mentioned before, the chemical is just one component right when we talk about a program it's selecting the right product it's knowing where to apply that product to get the best outcome it's the equipment or the feed system on how you apply that product you know and and then it's and then it's making adjustments after you get it applied to help to optimize it so that's this kind of program approach it's not just dropping off the chemistry and delivering it, and then the customers on their own. It's really being heavily involved in how do we apply it, how do we get it optimized, and then if something changes, which is very common in mineral processing operation, if a change occurs, how do we react to that change? What do we have to change in our program to still deliver an optimum result? So we, um, we that's when, when I speak about program, it's kind of taking that holistic approach and looking at the chemistry, how it's applied, where it's applied, and those types of things. And then, you know, your question around how do you even know where to start, right? Well, we've we've got decades of experience in mineral processing, and so we and we've got a global network, right? I, I lead the technical support team globally for the mining division, so we draw upon that global team, and and we've seen just about everything. And so when we're when we're presented with a challenge, a particular challenge at a customer's operation. Oftentimes we've already encountered that somewhere else. So we know where to start. You know, we may, we may meet, be able to narrow 30 products down to three. And then, and then we do our, our, our test work at the bench to identify, okay, which of those three should we start with? So we draw on that experience. And, and if it's something that we haven't encountered before, then that's where we interface with our, with our R&D team to say, hey, look, we've got, we've got a customer challenge here. We don't think we've got something existing that will help us to, to address that and, and to overcome it. So that's where we might um, open up a new research project to develop something that would be a good fit. And we've got many examples of that over the years as well where a customer brings a challenge to us and then we've gone and, and developed a solution that's resulted in a, in a good
1: uh, overall outcome. I want to talk a little bit about the challenges, Steve, because the 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 industry on a global scale, there's some similar challenges. I mean, you've got you know things like environmental um, license to operate, water, these types of things. I mean, these these are at the forefront in I, I pretty much every area of mining. And I I want to can you talk a little bit about those challenges just from from the perspective of Nelka Water and, and how they're approached? Yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, we, um, we have a, a, a global presence. So we, we operate in all regions. And, and you mentioned Australia, you mentioned Saudi Arabia and, and many places in between. So um, the challenges, you know, can be unique from site to site. They can also be unique uh, in one region versus the other. And and they can be unique uh, from from you know a seasonal perspective. That in the hot summer months there are some challenges that may not be present in the in the rainy times. So there's some there's some unique challenges. But then there are some overarching you know uh, challenges for the industry that that cut across um, different segments that cut across different geographies. And you touched on a couple of those. That you know as I mentioned before, mineral processing is very water intensive. So The availability of sufficient water is critical, and also water of of the right quality to use in the process. So, um, and and that's going to become increasingly um, challenging in the future, and, and, you know, Ecolab and Nalca Water has really committed a lot of resources to address future challenges in water, And, and I think that's a common theme that runs across many different mining operations and segments and corporations are, you know, how do they get enough water um, to be able to supply the mineral processing plant? You know, that that water, in some cases, you're you're competing with other industries for that water, whether it's agriculture or industrial. So, you know, there are some unique challenges there around water availability and water quality. That's a common challenge. Um, in in many cases, um, these operations are reco- are located in very remote locations, right you're you're at high altitude in the Andes mountains or you're in in the desert in in Saudi Arabia. and so the remoteness uh, creates some challenges uh, as well. Um, and then also you know oftentimes when a mine opens, they begin uh, processing the highest grade material you know and over time as that as that, Um, life of the mine is is maturing, the ore quality is, is getting lower, the grade is getting lower. And so that creates new challenges in processing on, you know, how do you best maximize recovery when you're in high clay ore? Or when your head grade is declining over time, oftentimes that requires to expand your capacity or expand your throughput. And so, you know, there's a lot of kind of common challenges such as those that I think cut across different segments different regions and so you know the experience that we bring is you know when these are new challenges are evolving how do we get ahead of them and and how do we kind of see what companies are going to be challenged with in the next three to five years or in the next 10 years and how do we get ahead of those so that we can have some solutions but then also on the day-to-day challenges that they have or the site-specific challenges. How do we draw upon our experience and upon our knowledge and upon our expertise in various areas as a company and bring that to bear on those day-to-day challenges?
1: You mentioned about, you know, uh, water is, is, I mean, because of your processing, it's so water intensive. It's, it's sort of that underlying challenge. Are, are those, is it more of a challenge than it was 20 years ago? Because, and I, you know, of course, I'm not going to ask you to pull a study out. <laughs> I'm sure the study has been done somewhere, but, um, I mean, on average, our minds, are they, um, are they just operating at a lower grade now? Um, are there more, just more environmental constraints? Is it, is it noticeably different? Cause you've been in the industry for long enough to know is 10 years dealing with water 10 years ago, a different game than it is today.
2: Yeah, I I think it is, and 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 for
1: you know a few different reasons. Uh, you
2: know, number one, the the size of the mines has they've gotten larger, right? And and for example, uh, you know, in Chile, the largest copper producer in the world, as the head grade declines there, they need to process more tons of ore to produce the same amount of copper as they did the year before, and so this resulted in expansions in 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 processing capacity at these operations some some operations undergo you know a phase two expansion a phase three expansion so they're putting more tons of ore through to produce the same amount of copper in some cases and so that requires more water so i think as um as these operations have gotten larger as head grades have declined it requires more water so i i think that's that's the first thing you touched on another is the environmental controls you know i i think over time environmental restrictions have gotten more um more strict if you will um and so customers have had to evolve and and and, um and kind of develop new ways on how they meet those environmental um, um regulations that are that are put forth um so i i think that's something that's changed over time i think there's as you mentioned you know this license to operate i think mining companies have definitely you know, seen the need to um, develop sustainability programs and 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 things such as that. So most of the mining companies they'll have a, a sustainability department and and it's part of their strategy on how they're uh, what they're doing to to conserve water, to reduce environmental impacts, and, and so forth. So I think there has been a lot of changes over time, and and I think I'll, 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 there'll be more changes, of course, coming into the future, and. Um, it, it's it's just kind of the the evolution of, of the mining and mineral processing industry, if you will. But I think that's that's one of the key things um, that that we as a as a supplier to the mining and mineral processing industry need to continue to do is is like I said before to foresee what's coming in the future and to make sure that we can develop technologies that will help. To address some of those uh, future challenges that our customers
1: will be facing. Yeah, it's it's very well said, Steve. I um, the the joy of uh, me doing this show is I get to sort of live vicariously through all these companies until the day. So I'm I'm going to keep throwing it out there until a company takes it out. Until a company takes me to just tour around with them and do shows at all these different sites. I have to just live through you. So I want I want to bring out a couple of examples um, because these um, you know you. Uh, I, I want to actually uh, bring it into a real world scenario. So is, is there a couple examples that sort of stand out to you um, where there's a very specific challenge that, uh, that a mine is facing and, and then you, an Nelco Water has come in and being able to solve it and then sort of walk through how that challenge was met and, and the solution that, that come out, came out of it?
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, we've got many, many examples. I'll, I'll give you a couple, right? So we, we oftentimes uh, you know, we're, we, we have a very strong onsite presence. So in most cases we are um, making regular visits to um, a wide variety of mining and mineral processing operations. And we're, when we're there, we're meeting with the metallurgy staff and the operations staff, and we're trying to understand, you know, how are things going? What are some of the problems they might be experiencing? What do they need help with? What is it that they're trying to achieve but they can't get there and so you know we we've uh, like I say many many examples, but one of the more recent ones was a large copper producer um and and they were having excessive foaming issues in their flotation circuit um, and so we initially provided an anti foam to help to control that foam so that they could. Maintain production levels, but really it was not just trying to address what was occurring, it was trying to get to the root cause of why that was occurring. And so we did a very comprehensive study where we went in um, and we looked at the flotation circuit very closely. We took a look at the uh, collector and the frother being used, and then we were able to go back to the lab and do some studies and then ultimately develop a new frother formulation that resulted in a significant significant improvement in in the in the handling of of the foaming issue and so uh, it, the program was implemented and 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 there was a very good improvement so that's one example a second example is you know a, a phosphate producer in the middle East um, and uh, they of course it being in 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 the desert area it's very um um sensitive on on how much water they're using and water availability and so we went in and we did what we call a total plant assessment we went in we looked at all the water being used throughout the entire facility and oftentimes there's different unit operations so you've got the mine and they're using some water you know maybe for road dust for example and then you go to the beneficiation plant where they're actually floating the phosphate minerals and they use a lot of water there and then that phosphate concentrate then goes to the phosphoric acid plant, where it's converted to phosphoric acid, and then ultimately it goes to fertilizer production. So we took a look at the entire you know, chain of operation and where all the water was being used, You know, the inputs and the output. We looked at how much water was being lost to evaporation and what quality of water was being used for different types of applications there. And we came up with a plan with some very distinct projects that could be implemented to help save water at that particular um, operation across the entire chain of the operation. So some of those projects are being implemented currently and and are resulting in significant reduction in the total amount of water that's being used in that particular operation. So those are a couple of examples where, you know, we, we go in and we develop a good understanding of what the current situation is and and oftentimes I I think you know that's um, Something that that sets us apart is that we we don't want to go in and start advocating a solution Right out of the gate. We really need to understand the entire situation Um, You know anything that we're going to implement in one part of the plant What would the potential downstream effects be it's very important. We don't want to put something in early stage that's going to create problems later. So in my example, you know, we don't want to add something in the in the phosphate beneficiation process that's going to have negative impacts in the downstream phosphoric acid process. So it's taking a look at the entire operation and developing that understanding and then from there going to say okay, now we know, you know, what direction we need to go and then and then taking it step by step. So those are a couple of specific examples um, and as I said, we've got many, many, and that, that that's really kind of our approach in many of these cases is to go in, really understand what the current situation is, understand where the customer wants to be, and then how do we implement our technology and our people to help
1: get them from point A to point B. What kind of I mean, not not to get too detailed, but w- what kind of team does it take? Um, you know, if you're you're sending a team to the Middle East and doing the whole process of a mine, I mean, is there, are we talking 50 people and there's there's all these tools and gadgets that you're bringing with you, or is it 10 people? Like, what what sort of scale? If it's if it's a larger scale mine, what what would it take? Yeah, so yeah, typically, you know, at most of the operations, there may be
2: one or two sales engineers and, and typically their background is in metallurgy or mineral processing or mining engineering or, or you know, they, they typically have some type of a of a science background um, because a lot of these mineral processing plants are very complex. They're, you know, it's involving, you know, flotation or or um, digestion of, 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 of a bauxite or a phosphate concentrate. So, you know, typically we'll have one or two sales engineers that are responsible for managing everything at the site, and they'll be supported by, in some cases, some um, um, on-site what we call application engineers, and these might be um, folks that have a really good background in equipment and and electronics and so forth. So our feed equipment, they're maintaining that, they're calibrating it, they're they're checking to make sure everything is, is going properly. And then if, if, um, if there's a particular challenge or a problem, then we can bring in other resources like the um, technical consulting team that I lead that, that have a lot of experience in many different plants uh, to bring some new ideas and, and some new approaches on, on how we can help to get things back to an optimum level. In some cases, we'll bring in uh, our R&D team. So we have many cases where our researchers will go out to a mineral processing plant so they can see firsthand what's going on. Um, if we've got a new program that we want to test, they may go out and do some testing there at the site. If we're going to run a plant trial of a, 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 of, of a new technology, we oftentimes will have researchers there, the uh, technical consultants there. So we, we've got kind of a multi-level uh, uh, approach, if you will, and on um, and, and how we uh, help support our customers And then, as I mentioned before, it's not just the mining team or the mining R&D team. We've got corporate R&D resources that we tap into routinely to help come up with with better solutions. We've got a uh, commercial digital solutions team, which is really focused on digital technology and automation and the like. So we've got a pretty broad network to draw on to help come up with a a customized solution that, that gives the desired results.
1: I was something that's always sort of eluded me, and I just it's one of these things, and, and of course, as we do more show, we'll bring in more people that that um, unpack it for us. But the flotation uh, part itself is always sort of i I have a basic understanding. obviously, there's there's ch- chemical components within it that that separate out the 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 product that you're wanting from the product you're but but when and, I, and if there's an example of it, Steve, that would be helpful. Can you sort of yeah. go through when, when Nelco water comes in and that specifically the flotation, because it's, it's one of these topics that I don't even know why. It gets sort of breezed over. Um, we get a lot of talk about like, you know, the, the crushing down, we you know, the, the refining, all that sort of stuff. But the floats always sort of gets passed by. So can you sort of talk about Nelco water's approach and sort of how it fits into the system? Sure, absolutely. So maybe
2: I can start with just a brief description of the flotation process um and 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 and, you know i'm sure some of the viewers already have a very good handle on it but maybe others not so much so maybe i could just kind of start there and it's it's really a brilliant process that's used across many different industry segments uh froth flotation is used in copper it's used in coal it's used in phosphate in potash in iron ore so it's used across many different segments and it really it, it really is, in, in its simplest form, it's using surface chemistry principles to help selectively separate uh, whatever that target mineral might be. So really, it's about, it's, it's using it's using air bubbles to selectively separate that target mineral. So I'll, I'll use copper as an example. Um, chalcopyrite is a copper sulfide mineral, is one of the more common copper minerals uh that that you'll find in in most um operations and uh and so it's basically adding a chemical called a collector that um, makes the surface of that calcopyrite hydrophobic it makes it want to attach to an air bubble so there are these large machines which which are called flotation cells the uh the slurry that the ore is is crushed it's ground it's it comes into the flotation cell there's a chemical the collector which selectively attaches to those calcopyrite surfaces making them hydrophobic and in these flotation machines there's a lot of air bubbles that are also introduced um, those hydrophobic particles that have been you know imparted with hydrophobicity by the collector selectively attach to the air bubble which then floats to the surface so it selectively floats that chalcopyrite particle to the surface a second chemical that's added in the process called a frother. It's basically a surfactant. And it helps these, it, it helps form a lot of tiny air bubbles. So you get a lot of particle to bubble attachment. And then as they rise to the surface, they coalesce into a stable froth bed, which is then recovered, and that's your copper concentrate in that example. And it's the same principle that's used in iron ore flotation or phosphate flotation or, or coal, you know, fine coal flotation same principle, different chemis- chemicals uh, but the same principle. So when we go into a flotation process and we want to um, try to understand how we can improve upon that, we really take a very close look at the ore characteristics you know we, we kind of use what we call MOC mechanical operational chemical. So we take a look at the you know the ore characteristics, the, the grind size, um, what gang minerals, or, or host minerals, if you will, are present. Um, and then we take a look at the mechanical aspects. What type of flotation cells are they using? You know, what what type of airflow rates do they have? And then we take a look at the chemical. You know, what collector are they currently using? What type of chemistry is it? The same with the frother. And then we take a look at the results. What are the results uh, that, that are being delivered? In many cases, in North America and Latin America, It's not just copper only, it's copper plus molybdenum. Molybdenum is a very important byproduct. And so we'll take a look at what is the copper recovery and grade? What is the molybdenum recovery and grade? And then we will then, based on what we found and taking a look at the entire system, we'll then determine, hey, where do we think we may be able to make some improvements? You know, maybe we feel we can improve molybdenum recovery. So what would it take to do that? And that's when we'll go back into the lab and do our testing. On ore samples and determine can we indeed make an improvement? So it's really taking a look at the current situation not only from you know what's recovery and grade look like, but you know what are the characteristics of the ore being processed, and what are the characteristics of the plant itself so that we can understand where do we think that we might be able to
1: make improvements. So there was, uh, there was an example I saw going, just going through the notes and prepping. And there, there was an example. It was, a I I I believe it was a coal mine and it, it actually had numbers, which I found interesting because a lot of times we, you know, because there's NDAs and, and things like that, I don't get to see the actual numbers. And it was basically a revenue increase, uh, I think of 1.2 million and then, uh, uh, like a, a cost decrease of like, uh, or something like that so it ended up being like a 2.5 million dollar gain for the company and i mean i know it's not simple but it seemed like when i saw it because it was just an outline it was like by adding just a frother the right frother that's what it took to make that difference on a coal plant is that is that common to be able to make those types of adjustments um of what's being used and see those types of gains yeah yeah, I, I I don't know that I would say it's common, Jared, but I think there are many
2: cases where improvements can be made, and you know a lot of plants they they've you know tried to optimize their their performance over time by changing you know the the chemistry, changing the dosage, and things such as that, and so you know we we always look for the ways that we can bring additional value through either either better. Uh, recovery or grade or or um, more efficient utilization of, of the chemistry. It might be where it's being added and so forth. So it's common that we make some types of improvement. It's always not, you know, millions of dollars improvement, but it depends on the size of the operation and it depends on how optimized it, it, it currently is. And, you know, one, one thing to keep in mind, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the size of the operations has gotten larger and larger. So you know, for example, you know, a large copper operation in Chile, their their daily throughput of ore through the plant can be 120,000, 130,000, 150,000 tons a day. So when you have that much throughput, a a, a relatively slight change in in recovery is is a huge number in terms of you know tons of copper produced. And so that's what we're looking to see is. You know, where do we feel that there's opportunities for improvement? In some cases, they've, they've done a fantastic job of optimizing recovery and grade, um, and, and there sometimes isn't always room for improvement. But in many cases, there is. And that's what we're looking for, is how, where do we think we can make improvements? How would we do that? And oftentimes, it's working closely with the customer. You know, we, we don't come in with a silver bullet that, that you know, hey, we can plug this in, and you'll instantly see improvement. It's a process working closely with the customer, um, trying some things, seeing what the result is, and then going back through another iteration to continuously adjust and modify until we can get you know, a better end result. So' it's really uh, it's really a long process. Um, it's a very involved and complex process, but we, we always look for those areas that we feel we can make some improvements and then, and then put together a plan of you know, how do we attack that? and and then how do we go about working
1: through that process there is a, there's a new topic stream steve that's sort of uh, developed into the show lately because we had we just had a previous guest on and they they do the hardware equipment you know like screening and things like that so yeah. what they end up with is as they evolve they end up kind of circling back to all these customers to then upgrading their systems so there's this continual sort of flow and that but that flow might not be um, it might be a little bit, a bit different in your case um, for them it might they might not do that upgrade for it might be 10 20 years apart because of the hardware but is there i mean it must just be an unbelievable system that if you go to one area and then they upgrade they 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 add a new frother well and then now that's applicable to 10 other mines around the world how does that, where do you even start for that system Just sort of, <laughs> is that just a continual communication that you have over the lifetime of the it, mine or how does that work?
2: It, it, absolutely it is. It's, it's a continuous process. And, you know, the thing that see really interesting, um, you know, I, it was it was quite interesting many, many years ago, uh, working on a project at a mine in Arizona that was producing copper plus, plus molybdenum we we introduced a new program there and it worked very very well and and we thought wow let's take it to let's take it to plant b and in, implement it there as well and when we went and tested it there it didn't work well at all and so it really opened my eyes that the site-specific characteristics you know even though a mine is producing copper or copper plus molybdenum there's a lot of site-specific characteristics that are really at play in, in what's the best program for that particular plant. You know, the, 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 the ore characteristics and, and, and the gang minerals that are present, um, the water chemistry and the water quality, they, they have an impact, the type of equipment. So there's really a lot of factors that impact the overall performance in that plant. So, you know, when we go from one plant to the other, we, we have kind of some a framework of where we start but really, it's it's a pretty involved process of going through a number of steps and a number of iterations to ultimately come up with the best solution for that particular site. So that's something that um, that we, you know, the approach that we take. And then, you know, I kind of touched on this briefly before. There are often many changes that occur at a particular operation. You know, uh, these these ore deposits are not, you know, large, monolithic, you know, bodies. They have they have different uh, types of, of mineralization. And so as they work through that ore deposit, the, the ore characteristics are changing. And as those ore characteristics change, so does the processing of that ore and the challenges change. So it's really keeping a close eye and, and good communication with our customers on what's changing, what are the characteristics of, of the ore that are changing, or maybe some operational changes. Maybe they're installing new equipment, or they've decided to change the uh, the grind size of their of their grinding mills. And so, really, it's keeping a very close handle on what's changing and what impact is that change having on performance of flotation, for example. And then, how do we help manage through that change to still deliver a very you know optimized result? So. It's really, it is, it's a continuous process, and, and, and it's always ongoing. And uh, I think that's one thing that, that has really helped with the success uh, of, of our company and our division is that, is that on-site presence and that frequent communication that gives us these um, insights as to what's coming in the future, what's changing today, and, and how can we help manage through that change if, if, if that's needed.
1: I want to, when when I wrap up the the interview with you, I want to sort of go, I want to sort of circle back to to Nelco Water and Ecolab just to sort of get a full, uh, like just an overview scope of everything. But on the ground level, um, on the ground level, but being such a large company that's operating globally, would you go to you're sort of plugged into best practices, but then you're also this sort of diversity of culture and operations, Um, you know, countries that have been in the mining business for, you know, you know, year, hundreds of years, potentially, and then countries that are just getting into it. And then they have completely different environments. I mean, can you, is it always changing in that? Are you sort of always picking up even as a, as an individual and as a company, sort of best practices and then but also bringing in sort of new concepts of how to even communicate because you're also communicating in, in addition to all of that you're also communicating at an executive level and at an operation level so there's just there's so many layers to it to it yeah, well, Try yeah to come- no
2: absolutely and i think you know you you, you touched on a, a very interesting point there jared is that you know a lot of the new minds are are you know that are coming online they're there's a lot of challenges with starting up a, lawn, a mine and, and coming online. There are, there are equipment challenges. There are, you know, there are operational challenges. Um, and then in, in some cases, you know, the their their the experience level of of some of the staff isn't isn't you know they haven't been there for decades to to understand everything about the plant and how it operates and and get everything optimized. So that's where we really try to bring some of our global knowledge and expertise is. You know, how do we help customers during startup period or when they're early stage, on, on bringing some best practices that we maybe have developed in other places, um, and and helping to um, bring some of that experience to bear, you know, at the local level there. And and you know, it is a learning experience. We're always learning new things, um and and I think that's part of the thing that's made this business really. Really interesting to me is it's very dynamic. There's a lot of changes, um, and and you're always learning in this. And and then one other point that you touched on, Jared, is you know, we've got this many different levels that we're active on. You know, we've got the local site level where we're interfacing with the metallurgy team or the operations team. But then we've got, you know, the, the corporate level aspects in terms of, you know, where as a company, where are they heading? What are their key objectives? know what are their goals on a, on a larger level so we've got we've got a team of of, uh, of senior salespeople called corporate account managers and and they do a lot of that calling at the corporate level and and have those higher level contacts where where they're getting information you know at the corporate level on where a company is going and, and what are some of their broader goals and objectives and then they also get information from our on-site people at each of the operations and what are some of the projects that we're working on and what are some of the things that that we've accomplished you know at a local level so that they can help to you know bring bring that um um in a summary fashion to to the people that they're uh, interacting with also so it's a really um it's a really kind of integrated network that we have and and I think it's worked well um and as i said you know we're we're always learning but we we are always trying to kind of get ahead of things so that we can be more proactive than reactive
1: the the organization of it um has it i mean in in your your has, how long have you been with Nelco water that's been you said 30 years it'll be i'll be uh, with Nelco water coming up on uh 25 years
2: in, in just a few months so,
1: so has, a long time yeah tracking all of that and sort of integrating everything together i mean how different is it? I mean, mean, of course, it's just the technology is so much different. But I mean, when you started 25 years ago, did it, does it ever, do you sort of look back and go, wow, like this is, this is what's happened in 25 years?
2: Yeah, it it is. I mean, I
1: I do kind of look back to see how quickly, you know, things have
2: changed. And, and, you know, I, I think in this, in this age, I mean, change happens even more rapidly. And, you know um one thing I touched on earlier is you know integration of digital technologies we're seeing mining customers you know incorporating all kinds of digital technologies whether it's whether it's um you know autonomous haul trucks in the mine or remote operation centers where they're where they're running you know the mining operation of the mineral mineral processing plant from a remote location right and and just the speed at which things change, so you know we we definitely see that as as a big opportunity for us as well, in you know how can we how can we use real time monitoring and sensing and digital technologies to deliver a better result you know with the programs that we provide um and and I think that's that's the thing that i I find kind of the most interesting when I look back, Jared is that you know things the change just happened so. Um, quickly now and and it's not just in mining it's in all different types of industries and sectors but it's, uh It's been very interesting and uh, and and I think it's I think it's great. I think it's it's very um, You know challenging of course, but it's also, you know, very um, Interesting and, and and great to see you know how a lot of new things are bring uh, brought to bear to help solve problems
1: yeah, you know it, it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to do three different shows that sort of highlight three different industries, and so you get I, I get to sort of I mean, my in the studio, there's literally three studios that I bounce around to each one, um, and there's just common themes. But then you also there's this sort of feeling of one industry is sort of pulling one direction, and then a couple months later, it's almost like they're mimicking each other. You start to hear the same language coming out of the other industry, even though they're not really connected. It's quite interesting and, See, right. I want to, Before we wrap up, I do want to have, because we've, we've talked about flotation. We've talked a lot about water. I want to, can you sort of zoom out for a sec, just as we wrap up the interview to kind of give that grand scale of Nelco water, Ecolab, it's not just water that they're providing. And I want to, I want to touch on that before we wrap up the show. Could you give us that, that sort of that bird's eye view? Yeah, of course.
2: You know, as I mentioned, you know, as a company, um, you know we are really trying to address a lot of the of the challenges in water across a wide variety of segments and you know um whether whether you 're at a mineral processing plant or a paper mill or a steel making facility or a food processing plant or you know a dairy or a brewery, you know one common element that that cuts across all those different industries is water, and you know water's critical to many of those, if not all of those operations. And so there's that common element that really um, cuts across all of our business units within Nalco Water is how do we help our customers manage their water resources more effectively? How do we help conserve water so that we can um, improve the availability of water in the future? How do we help improve the quality of the water um that's being used at, or quality of the water that might be discharged. So, you know, at a high level, it's really focusing on water availability, water quality, and then within, you know, each of the operations, how do we bring value to our customers? How do we help them, you know, whatever it is they're producing, how do we help them do it more efficiently, more cost effectively, um, with with lower um, um, uh, Capex uh, with better safety um, conditions and 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 that's really also kind of a common thread, but it's unique to each industry segment. So you know at a high level, um, that that's kind of our, our mission of our company, but we we really provide value in many, many different ways across a whole range of different um, types of industries.
1: Is there, um, is there an industry that you'd say if you were to rank them, um, I'm not going to get you to do each one, obviously, but is, is there an industry or a couple industries you think have the biggest challenge, e- either from the license to operate, water availability, You know, th- these things that you touched on earlier? Would, it, would, would mining probably have the biggest one or, or would there be another industry you think that would stand out as having that biggest water challenge?
2: Yeah, I think I think mining is, is right up there just because of the scale of the operations and um and also, you know, the the deposits are where they are, right? So, you know, a paper mill, you know, they use a lot of water, but they are typically located near bodies of water, so they have water to take in and, and, and use in the in the processing manufacturing of the paper. But a mineral processing plant, you know, you 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 have to go where the deposits are. And so um you know i think when 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 I think about it from like an industry standpoint you know uh copper uh production is is the largest two countries in terms of production are are Chile and peru um both located in quite arid environments so I think you know copper um uh, uh production is going to be very dependent on on availability of water um and having abundant uh water to use another one that that comes to mind is is phosphate you know production a lot of phosphate production comes from middle east and north africa again very arid regions and so water availability i think is going to be a continuing challenge there but we see it in other um, you know in other industry segments too um, you know gold production in the western us or in western australia um, or or bauxite production in western australia you know a lot of mining or mineral processing plants are located in arid environments and there are some where or they have too much water and you have to discharge, but oftentimes it's, it's arid environments. And so I think um, those are, those are some examples where, you know, this, this issue regarding water availability, it's, it's going to continue. It's going to become more important in the future. Um, And, and, you know, different types of water and different sources of water are going to need to be used uh, going into the future. And we, we, we think we're well positioned to help our customers manage through that
1: it's it's Nelco water is a fascinating company it's you know you pick we, we and I, I i'm glad we did it this way because we really picked out a stream and and sort of unpacked it and probably could go even further but uh hopefully at some at some point we can look at some of these other streams including the r&d I, i'm sure that's a, a whole fascinating um topic just in the type of r&d work that you're doing and collaborating with with different uh operations around the world so but um but thanks for coming on Steve I, I hope we I hope we covered some of the important topics that we wanted to this today because it was it was quite an interesting um conversation from my perspective. Well well
2: thanks thanks very much Jared it was my pleasure to be here with you and I hope we do have an
1: opportunity to
2: to dig into some other areas in the future. I think as you could tell I I really uh I really find this business just fascinating and and I'm very passionate about it. So i welcome the opportunity to to dive into some other areas at some point in the future, but I really appreciate the opportunity to have this discussion with you today. So thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for coming on, Steve. Okay. Um, Thank you everybody uh, for, for watching that. That's um, yeah. It it happens quite often on the show. It's like you, you roll back one thing and then you just want to keep going. So um, I tried to stay on, uh, I tried to stay on topic there. um, And uh, but, but you for coming on and, Thank you, everybody, for watching the show. We, we appreciate you, uh, you know, taking in all this content. We're releasing a lot of episodes. We thought, well, if we, if we start releasing uh, two or three episodes a week, we'll, but we thought maybe we'd get less viewers. <laughs> it's exactly the opposite. So thank you for recommending guests. Thank you for companies like Nelco Water for participating, CIM for supporting the show, our sponsors for, for helping us fund it. Thank you. Keep watching, and we'll see you on the next episode of Mining Now.
0: Thank you so much for watching. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you would like to be a guest on the show, whether it's Mining Now, Crownsman Energy, or The Crownsman Show, please contact us, info at crownsman.com. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors and thank you to Nelka Water for joining us today. We will see you on the next episode.